0: I have a practice and I recommend this to every herbal student listening right now, which is I have a Materiamatica notebook. I have it just mm-hmm. like right over here in my bookshelf and I'll learn something new about a plant, I learn about, I do think about Vitex or black cohosh. And I, I, I get out my three ring binder. I open up to that page and I write in like, okay, oh, April Pansalin says that I can use black cohosh for this. And I just write it in there. And so when I was ready to write my book. I had that Materia Medica to go back on.
1: Welcome to the Wild Herbs Podcast, where we unpack and uncover the healing properties of wild herbs so you can heal naturally with the plants beneath your feet. I am your host, April Puncelon, wild, untamed plant lady, also a botanist and ethnobotanist and herbalist dedicated to teaching you how to heal with plants. If you want to learn edible and medicinal plants, you are in the right place, my friend. I am excited today because I am interviewing Corey Pine Shane. He is the founder of Blue Ridge School of Herbal Medicine. He has over 25 years of experience working with wild plants and incorporating Chinese and Western medicine. I feel very honored to be with you today. So welcome, Corey Pine. And again, thank you for your time.
0: Thank you, April. Thanks for having me here.
1: Of course. So I have to ask this question. I was reading your autobiography, and it said that you went to the woods around in high school, and you found peace in the woods, and you were connecting with plants. And then there was a bit of travel and Ithaca and meeting seven Song. And finding your path and herbalism. When did you know that you were going to make herbalism your life passion? When did you first realize that you had a gift with plants?
0: That's such an interesting question because it's, I, I don't think for me, it was any like one moment where like, you know, the clouds broke up and the sun shined down upon me. It was like this gradual thing. I would say, I recognized I was passionate about them even when I was like 18, 18, 19, 19 is about when I met my first herbal teacher, Seven Song. And I didn't really think about it as a career path until I was most of the way through herb school (laughs) back almost 30 years ago now. I was most of the way through herb school and someone asked me, so what are you going to do when you graduate? I was like, I don't know. I guess I'll see clients and make tinctures and then I graduated and I started seeing clients and giving them tinctures that I made. People asked me questions. And I started sharing my knowledge. So it kind of came naturally for me.
1: Mm, just evolved naturally. Right. And I love that. And I love how, you know, teachers, seven song came into your path. A lot of times the right teacher will come at the right time to help guide you. Right. Ignite that passion.
0: Yeah. Cause I was kind of lost at 19, like a lot of us are at like 18 and 19. Most of us don't know what our life path is going to be. And personally, I went to college because I wanted to be a writer. You know, I wanted to be a fiction writer. I wanted to be the next Jack Kerouac, write the great American travel no- uh, novel. But then while I was in college doing that, I was living in Ithaca. And at the same time I was studying with seven song and learning all about herbal medicine and plant medicine, which I thought was just a fun hobby um and it's something i just really really excited about i I never really thought it was going to be my life path and at some point i was like it just occurred to me like well what else would it be this is like what i love i love being in the woods i don't want to be sitting behind a desk all my life i want to be out in the woods i want to be talking to people i want to be connecting people and i really see that as my life purpose is like connecting people and plants
1: Mm, i love that such important work. Well, you do a good job because I see Mm. all your alumni graduating and they're Mm. always in the woods with the wild herbs and the mountains. It's so Mm. important for people to see and touch and feel the plants. So kudos to you for keeping that going. So today we're going to talk about herbs that are good for the nervous system with highlighting blue vervain because you have experience with blue vervain. But before we dive in to blue vervain, I hope I can ask you one question. So I was reading about how you had migraines, but you were able to heal yourself. Were you able to find an herb that helped to relieve your migraines?
0: Did you know this already? Blue vervain was one of the herbs.
1: Are you serious?
0: You you didn't know that. Like, yeah. No, I did amazing. not know we'll that. Yeah.
1: And I meant to at- tell you I was going to ask you that question because I didn't want to throw you <laughs> off, but I forgot. I get so many questions on how right. can I relieve these migraines? So I really wanted to ask you for my audience, what herb did you use? <laughs> or and what was, one do you think really helped you?
0: Right. I think it's funny too because I find I mean, I have at least like 40 students every year and so I interview more than that you know for for my herb school uh, so I probably talked to like 50 or 60 people a year about why do you want to study herbal medicine like mm-hmm. what are you interested in and there are so many people who either had some kind of illness or problem that Western medicine couldn't address or didn't understand in some way or either them or their parents or their close friend or lover often they've had some personal experience where Western medicine, Modern medicine, conventional medicine, whatever you want to call it, it wasn't enough. It wasn't mm-hmm. enough to help them with the problem they had. And usually that's what turns people to alternative medicine. And for me, it was migraine headaches. I grew up getting terrible migraines. And as far as the remedies, I want to be clear too that migraines can be so different person to person. There's no one remedy for migraines. And as I'm sure, like, you know, April and I have talked about, there's no, it's not like there's one remedy for every problem. Every person has their own way of expressing irritable bowel syndrome or migraines or arthritis. And so you have to treat each person individually. So I'm not saying the herbs I used would work for you, but uh, yeah, I found that a combination of equal parts, blue vervain and skullcap tincture really helped my migraines. Mm. It really helped when I was actually getting them. Like if I noticed it as it was coming on, I could do that honestly I found changing my diet even more helpful mm. for me personally cutting out dairy this might work for you this might not but it's worth with migraines looking at what are the food triggers I cut out dairy completely for about a year and now I just you know every now and then if something has butter in it I don't worry about it too much because I can now that I've cut it out of my system it's out of my body I can like dabble a little I can cheat mm-hmm. a little bit
1: yeah, diet is huge diet. I noticed that a lot of people do want that one fix or that one herb and maybe a pill or a supplement. And it's hard because if you don't address the and what's causing the problem, then it's going to be hard for the herb to really relieve it. And I've noticed that with my own self with chocolate and caffeine, I can't do They're triggers for me and they cause inflammation. And so I always try and think, well, instead of doing this inflammation causing caffeine drink, I'm going to do this anti-inflammatory drink and I cheat a lot
0: <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm on
1: a day I eat a chocolate cake and it's like I'm cheating more than I'm not cheating that's not good so I have to be more disciplined so you're inspiring me
0: and now Which, we have this on camera so you know now you yes, have to
1: accountability. accountability accountability
0: it's interesting too because I find that I'm not saying that coffee is good good for you or good for me or good for anyone but I did find that once I started drinking coffee every single day, I actually find I get less migraines as well. Mm. It's interesting because other people, coffee makes their headaches worse.
1: And that's an ode to what you were saying, that not every herb is going to work for every person because we're all so different, our constitution. And so for me, I think it's because I'm a lot of fire, a lot of pitta and vata, and the caffeine just throws my body completely off. So Mm. I need more moisture, more earth, more water, more calming, soothing. So anyway, that's good. I think it's important for people to understand that each herb is going to react differently in your body. And that's where the experience comes in hand because we can read about it all day, but until we actually drink the tea and experience it, we don't really know. But anyhow, so blue vervain really intrigues me that you have a practice with it because I don't. And I have vervain growing all over my yard, Brazilian vervain. And I told you, I think it's screaming like work with me and I keep ignoring it. And so I'm hoping that you're going to inspire me and my listeners to work with vervain in some form if if this resonates with you. Right. And so I would love for you to tell us about your experience working with blue vervain and its properties
0: right and so blue vervain is the vervain that i mostly use it's the one that's considered like official in american herbal medicine and it was growing really abundantly where i used to live in ithaca new york doesn't grow at all around Asheville, north carolina where i live now but you can grow it it's growable here let's see and there are other vervains as you mentioned the brazilian vervain kind of weedy in a lot of the Southeast. And so I encourage people to use that one because we don't have like Verbena hastata, we have Verbena persiliensis. If you're in the Southwest, I don't even know if there's a Verbena, but there's these moss Verbenas that you can use. In the Caribbean, they use Jamaican vervain, which is actually a different genus, but it's the same family and it's used very similarly, a bit more relaxing, I think. So I u- I love blue vervain as a nervine. I might not use it as often as my primary nerve vines like skullcap and milky oat seed, but blue vervain its great for nervous tension. I use it a lot for anxiety, for tension. I've given it to people with the PMS where they have um, emotional ability, emotions that come and go really quickly, especially if anger is a big part of that. Blue vervain just seems to help I use a lot of Chinese medicine, both in my practice and in my teaching. And I think about it as something to smooth out the Chi, smooth out the flow of the Chi, because a lot of these emotions that come and go quickly or anger and frustration that happens when the Chi gets stuck, the Chi, our emotions aren't moving smoothly through our body. And if our emotions, we feel like we can't say something, we can't speak our mind, then that the Chi gets stuck. We're not like moving the Chi easily. We should, when we're emotionally healthy, we should be able to communicate easily, let our emotions flow smoothly and easily. And it's not always the right time to express. So it's not that anger is a bad thing. I wanna be like really clear about that. Anger is a really helpful emotion. It's what helps us right wrongs, right? When something isn't going right, And we try to fix it and we can't. Sometimes it takes that anger, it takes that energy, that chi moving more strongly to correct an imbalance. But blue vervain is good when the anger feels out of balance. There's too much, probably could even be good when there's not enough. I probably use it, I also use it for migraine sufferers as we were talking about. And it's interesting because there's a pattern, this is not true for everyone with migraines, but there can be a pattern with migraine people people who swallow their emotions, people who like, don't feel like they can speak mm. up and like they're holding it in, they're holding it in, holding it in. And then the migraine is like the, what do you call that? Like on a pressure cooker where the, the valve blows, the pressure valve just goes pop and mm-hmm. they like, and they explode out all that pent up emotion, like explodes up into a migraine. And so that's the pattern that I see with blue vervain. And that's the connection between the emotional piece and the, the migraine headache piece
1: do you think that it helps to like cleanse the liver liver can do its job better is it known to detoxify the liver at all
0: it, it does work on the liver I don't think about it so much as a detoxifier but it probably does I mean it's bitter it's really bitter and in herbal medicine we talk a lot about how things that are bitter stimulate bile flow from the liver what is bile a digestive substance but it is also um, in the inimical, words of my teacher, Michael Moore, it is also liver piss. <laughs> I've
1: never thought about it as liver piss. Yes. So thank you very much for that. It's <laughs> so funny.
0: Well, thank Michael Moore.
1: Oh, thank Michael Moore.
0: But he says it's how the liver gets rid of toxins. So it's kind of the like bile mm-hmm. service. Well. It's how the bot bi- the liver gets rid of toxins is through the bile but then it also helps us break down fats more easily. So we take bitters, take bitter taste, any bitter tasting herbs, even if we're just eating uh, a spring mix or dandelion greens and or taking a bitter tonic or taking an amaro or uh, like a bitter liqueur, all those things stimulate the liver to help, help clear and cleanse.
1: How do you work with it as a beginner? And then once you get comfortable with the herb? How do you work with it? Once you know it's a good fit for you, what would be your prescription?
0: Right. So I find it easy, easiest to work with as a tincture. You could probably find it as a glycerin if you're alcohol-free. Um, I It does work dried as well, but I don't think I've ever seen it as a capsule. You don't really need a whole lot, you know? Mm. I might use like 10 or 20 drops of the tincture to start off with, It's strong tasting, but for some reason, even though it's bitter and strong tasting, if you need it, it seems to not taste as bad. (laughs) You still have to get over the bitter and you have to get over the alcohol. I have done it as a tea and it's not pleasant. When that's all I had was dried vervain and I had like, had a bad migraine once. So like, oh, I'll just make a tea of vervain and it, and it helped. And it's, it's, it's not pleasant. It's medicinal tasting. How about we say that? It's not a a pleasant You're not going to like have all your friends over and say, hey, I made some blue vervain tea for all of us. No, not so much. No.
1: (laughs) Just your herbalist friends.
0: (laughs) Just herbalist friends, right? (laughs) I know you all seem a little tense. How about we have some blue vervain tea tonight?
1: Yes. (laughs) And what do you think about what plants it has a synergy with? You know, like if you think about if you were making something and that was a chief herb, what would you add as an assistor? You said skullcap. But I'm wondering what else you could, would you pair it with?
0: And I love this question because it points out one of the ways I love working with herbs. And if if you're listening to this or watching this, think about how getting to know the individual herbs well, and then like seeing how they pair up. You see all these big complex 12 herb formulas, 15 herb formulas, just start with like two herbs at a time and just see how they play well together. Um so I pair blue vervain with skullcap skullcap is another nervine that's great for nervous tension it's very relaxing it's bit it's a bit more nourishing it's not quite as bitter as blue vervain but it has a ability to move the chi in other words help us relax tension when the chi gets stuck we tend to like tense up we tend to clench you know when we feel frustrated or angry we tighten up our muscles so by relaxing that nervous tension also helps us relax our physical tension so for that I would combine the blue vervain with skullcap as a tincture as a tea if you're feeling really adventurous (laughs) and and, you know what else do I combine blue vervain with Uh, I might combine blue vervain with pedicularis or Mm. or with kava kava if there was more muscular tension where tension is maybe starting emotionally, but then is showing up as like tight, tense shoulders or a tension headache. You know, what would be a great one is, is actually stakies. It's funny because pedicularis and stakies are both called Bettany or Wood Bettany. So I just yeah. use a clinical name. But I think either one of the Bettany's, either one mm. of the plants, something called Wood betany in the US, could be used combined with Blue Vervain for like a, a tension headache. Like where it's not a migraine, it's more of physical tension, tight, tense, neck, tight shoulders, maybe even a little bit of like digestive upset. Cause stakey's stakey's botanica or a botanica officinalis has had a few different names, but that, that really good, especially for like nervous tension held in the stomach.
1: Mm. So it combined
0: well with vervain that way.
1: I like that. Yeah, I have a nephew, Dylan, who has, I think, a little nervous tension in his digestive system. So, and I have a lot of Florida Bentany, Stachys Floridana. And I've read some review papers on the genus Stachys, and they say that most of them you can make a tea from, and most of them are medicinal. And that's the benefit of learning medical botany. But barely anyone's working with the leaves of stackies and i'm just now learning the roots like i haven't moved to the leaves i'm working with the roots because they're really enjoyable to eat but i'll have to i have to maybe if i make a tincture from the brazilian vervain maybe i'll add some leaves of stackies because i have a ton Nice. and that brings me to my next question is when you are preparing vervain like say you were here in charleston and we were going to make a tincture of the Brazilian vervain. What time of year do you think is good? And well, how are you harvesting it and preparing it?
0: I usually harvest it when it's in full flower. So I love it when those flowers like really pop in. And that's usually about late summer. hmm. Like, you know, like August. Maybe. And uh, I mean, what is Brazilian vervain
1: flowering time? So it starts to really open up and do its thing about June, July. I would say from June to September. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, the blue vervain might be more July, August, maybe into September, but probably like, yeah, July, August would be ideal. Oh, to be clear, I like to harvest the whole flowering tops. So Mm -hmm. I use the flowers, but I also use the leaves. Sometimes like the soft stalk, the part of the stalk reckon that it's pretty bendy. But most of most of blue vervain, the stalk is tough and stiff, which is also you know, part of the signature of the plant. You know, it's a very like straight, upright plant. It's just very like, if you've ever seen the plant, it's just very like 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 this. And everything is at like 90 degree angles. It feels very like stiff and non-bendy. So I don't use the really like stiff, tough parts. I use the leaves, flowers, and like the upper stem where it can be be more bendy.
1: Very cool. Thank you. And you use like a... 80 proof, you think 80 proof alcohol is good for making a tincture?
0: Yeah, that could work fine. I, I, I tend to use straight alcohol for most of my tinctures. I do yeah. like, which again is how my teachers seven song and Michael Moore did it. So that's kind of how I did it. I use 190 proof, which is 95% alcohol.
1: <laughs> I really like that alcohol, the cane sugar, the organic cane sugar alcohol you shared with me.
0: You tried, um, organic alcohol. Uh, the organic alcohol company, it's organicalcohol.com. No. That's who I'm I've been, right. buying, uh, my cane alcohol from, and they're just really sweet people. They really only sell, I mean, anybody could buy it from them, but their specialty, the, the people who they really reach out to are like to herbalists and natural product makers. So that's who they want to connect with. You can order just one gallon at a time. If you want to, you can order five gallons at a time.
1: Heck yeah. Even,
0: like, one gallon is gonna be more expensive than buying five gallons. The more you order, the less you spend on like on shipping and you know, the less it's the less it costs per gallon, the more you order. But yeah, they'll sell you just one gallon at a time.
1: Organicalcohol.com? Yes. Okay, I can remember that. That's easy enough. So if you're Wait. listening, write that down. Organicalcohol.com. <laughs> Especially if that's if you're starting out herbalism, just start out with the good organic sugar, alcohol, because my willow bark tincture that I made from that was the best. And I just made some with something I purchased from the store and it was not near as good. So you have online courses for herbs for insomnia, herbs for pain, and herbs for anxiety, which are major issues in modern society, right? And I would love to hear why you chose to teach herbs for insomnia and maybe one or two herbs you could share with the listeners would be very valuable.
0: Sure. I run like an in-person class, but people have been asking me for online classes and uh it's interesting. I think of this as like the nervine trilogy, right? There's some overlap between the herbs, between herbs for pain, herbs for anxiety, herbs for insomnia. <clears throat> Nervines, in other words, herbs that affect the nervous system that could be calming or nourishing or balancing for a nervous system. It's kind of my specialty. It's like, those are the herbs that I really love and, um, herbs for insomnia is one that I chose that top. I chose the topic herbs for insomnia, because as a clinician insomnia is one of the most common things that I see. In other words, it's not necessarily what people come in for. I do have some clients who come in for chronic insomnia, but when I'm going through a review of systems and asking them about all the different problems, you know, a little bit of digestive upset and insomnia are the two most common uh, symptoms, if you will, that I that I see. And I started realizing just like how common chronic insomnia is. And I started talking about it with my friends and family and everyone's like, oh, yeah, like I like, I sleep three hours a night, or I wake up three times during the night, or my friend, you know, can't sleep through a night. So I started realizing what a big deal this is in the world. And so I thought, I can only see so many clients, but if I create a course about herbs for insomnia, then lots of people can learn how to use these herbs and figure out, okay, which is the best one for me? Because there's different herbs for acute insomnia, like, oh, I'm just really anxious versus different herbs for chronic insomnia. So one of the things I see a lot with chronic insomnia is what I call deficiency type insomnia, this is borrowing from Chinese medicine. I'm going to like adapt a little bit of the Chinese medicine into our vocabulary here and talk about excess insomnia versus deficiency insomnia. With the idea being that most Western herbalists treat, and most you know, Western people, we treat all insomnia as an excess. Our nervous system is too activated, whether we've had too much coffee or we feel anxious and stressed. Oh, I'm getting on an airplane tomorrow. Am I going to like be on time? Do I have everything packed? Did I remember where my passport is? Um, that could be excess type insomnia. There's like too much energy in the nervous system, and we use herbs or over the counter or supplements or pharmaceuticals to help tamp down nervous system what i have found though is that most chronic insomnia is actually from deficiency not from excess the nervous system isn't too much it is too little and what happens when the nervous system gets deficient is that it it expresses itself
1: Mm. in different
0: ways it's kind of like if someone skips lunch and then they feel like anxious or angry or tired, or like, you know, someone is irritable because they're low blood sugar. They don't need valerian, they need a sandwich.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: This is the way I like to describe deficiency. So our nervous system, a lot of times it doesn't need to be brought down. It needs to be nourished. And by mm-hmm. being nourished, it'll actually calm down on its own. Because when we're not nourished is often when we feel like anxious or irritable. And what deficiency insomnia looks like is often it's more waking up in the middle of the night rather than like having a hard time falling asleep or not getting deep enough sleep i started thinking about this when i saw a lot of patients with chronic fatigue syndrome who were then unable to go to sleep it's a it's a really common pattern in people who are either chronic fatigue syndrome or adrenal exhaustion where they are just so depleted they're too tired to sleep they are exhausted during the day they have no energy during the day but then they can't sleep at night either so it's this you know which is a terrible feeling and so for them I was like okay how do we nourish the nervous system so some of the herbs I use um are reishi mushroom I love reishi mushroom for this um milky oat seed and mimosa bark these are like three great herbs for just really nourishing the nervous system helping calm the spirits so we can uh, sleep through the night and i'm looking over here and i just happened to have didn't plan this but i just happened to have like my reishi mushroom sticker here
1: oh. <laughs> i love it
0: got it at the <laughs> food co-op so i can like wear my little reishi on my thing visualize reishi mushrooms it's this on, Corey on me <laughs> the original reishi actually comes from from china Rishi is actually a Japanese word in China. It's called lingzhi. In the Southeast, a lot of our hemlock trees are dying. And on these dead hemlocks, there's a hemlock Rishi that's growing. So a lot of us herbalists living in the American Southeast have been using the local Rishi, the hemlock reishi, uh, with great results as well. So you could use either one. And really what it does is it nourishes the spirit and nourishes the nervous mm-hmm. system and nourishes the heart uh so that we can kind of like feel more calm feel more safe feel more embodied uh it's also an amazing herb for the immune system so it's used for everything from allergies to autoimmune conditions Mm. to help balance the nervous sorry balance the immune system and also treat everything from cancer to HIV to any kind of immune deficiency and I use the word treat what I really mean is not really so much treating the disease, but helping the person have a stronger immune system so that they can more efficiently fight off what they need to fight off.
1: Yes, reishi is powerful. I miss living in the mountains and harvesting the reishi. I don't see it hardly ever in the coast. What do you recommend? Because I usually just shave it off into my soup when I foraged it myself, but I'm noticing a lot of powders. And I think I was telling you, this goes back to my cheating on chocolate, that I have found this, it's called Mighty Mushroom Powder, and I love it. And it's like a little, it's cacao, is the main ingredient, unfortunately, but it's cacao, reishi, what else? Chaga, luma, this fruit, and ashwagandha. And I swear when I drink it, the cacao doesn't have the effect on me, the negative effect, and I feel really good. And I felt like my nervous system, I was like, wow, I've been drinking this for a week and I'm sleeping really well. And I didn't even think about the reishi, but I just saw about like, the synergy between these mushrooms. But do you think like when you're nourishing the nervous system, that it's better to do a powder of reishi or a tincture? Because some students don't like alcohol. I'm kind of like one of those people that don't really enjoy the essence of something in alcohol. And so I'm wondering if I, if powder is going to be just as beneficial as a tincture when it comes to reishi.
0: When it comes to reishi, um, Like reishi itself, it's like a very like tough mushroom, Mm -hmm. nothing you would actually like cook up and eat. You would just be like chewing on bark. So I feel like the powder is okay if it's uh, what's called activated. So I actually use some mushroom powders from, I think it's called the organic mushroom, mushroom harvest, the organic mushroom company, mushroom harvest. Micromedicinals is a good company. There's a few different good companies out there, but I like buying like pound bags of mushrooms at a time and I like that company, cause they, they basically steam activate it. Mm. And by steaming it, putting the steam through it, it turns it from just the raw mushroom into like, it makes it more bioavailable. It breaks down the cell walls so we can actually digest it better, take it into our bodies. I think that's true with Reishi, I don't know if you need to steam activate things like shiitake or lion's mane that you can like cook and eat. I'm not sure. But yeah, I like that process of the steam just steam. Mm. Activation piece. Uh, traditionally, it was mostly used as a decoction, meaning that you would put the mushroom in water, bring it to a simmer and then like simmer it for like half an hour, 45 minutes, which is also what you're doing when you make a broth, as you mentioned. So I like putting a little reishi in my broth as well. Um, but you have to be careful because, you know, reishi is a little bit bitter. And so it could, putting too much reishi into a broth can bitter a bitter a broth.
1: Yeah. I usually just use my food grater and grate it right into the soup. And I have it like just the reishi in my like spice cabinet and I just pull it out. And I'm like, okay, that's good. And nobody knows, not even my husband or my daughter, you know, I just do it. and. um I've always felt good about it. Reishi, it is very magical. And I've always had this deep respect for it, seeing it in the mountains of Western North Carolina. And I miss it. And I and when I would forage it, I would slice it, you know, really fine. And then dry it out in the sun. I know a lot of people are recommending to make tinctures from the medicinal mushrooms because, and then also doing a decoction and adding them together because alcohol, you know, is supposed to break, break down the chitin and the polysaccharides better the water, and then so I don't know if you have any experience with that.
0: That's actually the way I make a mushroom like a reishi preparation. So I do have reishi as a powder, like a steam-activated powder. But I make a double extract where I decoct it and I tincture it, mm-hmm. and then I add the two together. Actually, the water is really good at getting the polysaccharides out. Polysaccharides very water-soluble, but it's the triterpenes oh, try- uh, which are more of the adaptogenic property of, of reishi, the more like that's more of your nervine adaptogenic property of the, the triterpenoid saponins or the triterpenes that comes out more in the alcohol and it comes out in decoction as well. If you decoct it, if you simmer it long enough, but combining the two, you get like a, like the medicine of both those aspects.
1: Yes. Yes. I think that's important. I mean, it's a little bit more work, but I, I met a forget his name, but he he was making medicine with mushrooms at a farmer's market in Norfolk, Virginia, where I grew up. And it was really cool to see him there. And he had the lion's mane and the reishi and that's what he had did. And um, it seems like that is the best way because then you're making sure you're getting a full plant profile, um, phytochemical profile of the plant or the, I should say mushroom. A <laughs> yes. yes. uh-huh. yeah, Good plug for reishi. And then the other one that you were saying is by you had mentioned Vitex when we were emailing people back and or emailing back and forth, right? So, Vitex I, I feel like is really good for women, right? To help balance the hormones,
0: yeah. So, I've seen it like really help balance it's uh considered a more progesterone herb, like a lot of our herbs are like pro estrogen, and Vitex mm-hmm. is nice because it actually promotes more production of progesterone, which is the second half of the cycle between ovulation and menstruation, we, more progesterone is produced. So it seems seems to be like pretty balancing. So a good herb and like a menopause formula. And it's interesting, it has this big hormonal piece, but I know that there's some herbalists in California. This is where I picked this up from another herbalist, not from my personal. I didn't make this up, uh, is what I'm saying. But there's some herbalists in California who are using Vitex for what's called sleep latency, which is it's the technical name of what we talked about before when people fall asleep fine, but they wake up in the middle of the night. To be honest, I'm not sure like the mechanism of action, like why it works for that, because it, it it's used for not just estrogen based people. Like it's used for like, um, can be used for like anyone. So it's not just about estrogen and progesterone, it's it right. action. But I mean, it would probably be more specific for like menopausal or perimenopausal women where you're worried about hormonal balance, but it could also be used for anyone who has that waking up in the middle of the night issue. And I, to be honest, I kind of forgot about it for that until you and I were talking. And then I was like, oh yeah, I know the herbalist out West who like used it this way. So I haven't actually used it with clients. But now that we're talking about it, I'm like, yes, I should bring that back. I should start using that with clients again it's a great herb a lot of people ask me like oh what herb is good for this what herb is good for this and we talked about that being such an individual thing like what helps one person may or may not help another person but you know we have often I can give some kind of answer but um working as a a clinical herbalist so much of of like when I see clients is also working with people on their lifestyle on like what they're eating on like how they relate to life (laughs) one of my friends. Katie Crabb is a clinical herbalist in Southeast Ohio. And I remember her saying in a class, like, yeah, being an herbalist is like 80% life coach, 20% figuring out what herbs someone needs. <laughs> you
1: know? I love that. That's true. Maybe you could, maybe you could do Vervain and Vitex together, two V's. Ooh, nice. <laughs> and and Double sprinkle some Reishi that. in there.
0: Yeah. I'm writing this down.
1: <laughs> maybe i might have to do that i it's so funny because i've had on my to-do list uh, make a vitex tincture for like two months now and the well the seeds are just now freshly ripe and so i went to a friend's house to collect hers but they, her tree was really old and there wasn't a lot of medicine in there like i tasted them they weren't near as strong as mine my tree is really young it's only like two years old so that's interesting to me
0: oh huh.
1: yeah I don't know, but I do know where there's a lake in Charleston, and it's just vitex trees all around the lake. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah
0: they're native. But they get planted a lot. I mean, they are native to Europe. But they're not native to like to the U.S. Um, but they, I see them planted a lot, and they're beautiful flowers. They produce seeds. Some folks might know it as more as chaste tree. Or, yeah, like, no one knows it as monk's pepper, but some like the old books call it monk's pepper as well because. It's supposed to be used by monks to help reduce libido. Um, that was, you know, monks, of course, for men and women. It can have actually more balancing effect or sometimes even raise libido.
1: Nice. Well, I appreciate you sharing your experience. And when you give it to your clients, do you do it in tincture? I do. You do.
0: Mostly and as what
1: tincture. prescription? Like, what would you be your prescription? For a, perimenopausal woman, a woman that was ex- experiencing low progesterone levels, are you bloating or waking up in the middle of the night?
0: Yeah. I would do two dropper fulls twice a day. Twice a day. I'm going to say a dropperful. The dropper is never totally full. It's kind of more like two squirts mm-hmm. of the bulb. But in a little bit of water, that's usually what I do because my alcohol extracts are kind of strong like we talked about before. The way i balance it out is put the dose alcohol is a good preservative you don't want to throw your whole tincture in water but you put your dose in like a like couple ounces of water and then shoot that back um but especially they say that uh um the pituitary is more active in the morning so it's good to do Mm -hmm. like a morning and like another dose later in the day so that's why i say twice a day
1: And do you advise women to do it from day 14 to day 28? Or do you do it all month?
0: I think it's, it depends. But if someone is still continually menstruating that I would say from ovulation to menstruation, if they're tracking their cycles, otherwise I say just when you start menstruating, stop for like two weeks and then start doing it again.
1: Yeah, that's Uh, smart.
0: And if they're past menstruation, then I say, okay, just then you might just have it do it every day. It's like a general supportive. Through, through menopause.
1: Have you heard, had any feedback from menopausal women that it helps them?
0: I have. Yes.
1: Okay. When would you turn to black cohosh versus Vitex for a menopausal woman? Because black cohosh seems to work so well, but I'm curious to hear your feedback on, would you do both? or when do you go towards Vitex versus black cohosh for a menopausal woman?
0: Yeah, and and I will say this is like a little bit at the edge of my experience. I have like more experience with insomnia than I do with working with menopausal women, specifically on menopause, but um, you could combine the two. Mm. Black cohosh I think is a little bit better for hot flashes seems to be more indicated where there's like hot flashes, Chinese medicine, we might think of that as possibly yin deficiencies. So there's herbs for that, like uh shatavri could also be a good one to throw in there as well. I would say that the hot flashes is my main thing when I think of like using black cohosh for, for menopause.
1: Yeah, black cohosh, you know, I have used it before and I couldn't believe how beneficial it was. Corey Pine wrote a book and I love it. It's one of my favorite Southeast Medicinal Plants. Identify and harvest and use 106 wild herbs. That's a lot. Let me tell you, this is a major accomplishment for health and wellness. I highly recommend getting this book if you do not have it, even if you don't live in the Southeast region because Cory Pine has so much knowledge. Put it all into this book. It's such a huge contribution to the herbal community, and to the foraging community. And I highly recommend getting it. And it's very affordable. How did you write and publish a book on 106 wild herbs? Did you wake up every morning at five? What was your practice? How did you bring this book into manifestation? You know? Yeah.
0: Wait. I um, wish there was an easy answer. I, I think... People ask me like, "Oh, people ask me like, um, how long it took to write write the book?" And I'm like, "Oh, it, you know, it took a year and a half, or it took twenty years, depending upon how you look at it." I have a practice, and I recommend this to every herbal student, either listening or watching right now. Which is, I have a materia notebook. I have it just mm-hmm. like right over here in my bookshelf, and I learn something new about a plant. I learn about a do thing about vitex or black cohosh. And I, I I get out my three ring binder. I open up to that page and I write it like, okay, oh, April Consalin says that I can use black cohosh for this. And I just like write it in there. And so when I was ready to write my book, I had that Materia Medica mm-hmm. to go back on. I have a practice and I recommend this to every herbal student either listening or watching right now, which is I have a Materia Medica notebook. I have it just mm-hmm. like right over here in my bookshelf. And I'll learn something new about a plant learn about, I do think about Vitex or black cohosh and I, I I get out my three ring binder, I open up to that page and I write it like, okay, oh, April Consolin says that I can use black cohosh for this. And I just like write it in there. And so when I was ready to write my book, I had that materia medica to go back on. And I recommend this because if you go to herb conferences, you read different books, people will have these interesting insights into plants. And we can only keep so much in our brain i i try to keep a lot of my brain but it's nice to have that materia medica your own materia medica where you just have a page for every plant that you use in medicine what is its botanically what is its family what are the chinese energetics what part do you use fresh or dry like all these different things you could have in there um so that was my resource so i already had that and then i found that i still needed to do a lot of work once i started writing i was like Wait, do I know this about this plant? You know, if I'm gonna put something in print, I can't just be like say it with the same flippancy that I might on a on a plant walk, because on a plant walk I can call people back and be like, actually, this plant doesn't have coumarins, it actually has a different chemical or something. Yeah. And I really had to carve out like a I set aside writing time. I was like, okay, two hours, two days a week. Uh, I set up some time that was specifically like kind of research and organization. And sometime was specifically just about writing mm. up goals of writing two herbs a week. And it's great because the, the book actually covers the whole Southeast. So it covers from like Maryland and Delaware to the north, all the way down to central Florida, because south Florida is really just part of the tropics. And then all the way west across the Gulf states to Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, east Texas. And then up north to Arkansas and I've traveled a lot. So I've gotten to know those places since I did a lot of the photography for the book, that was a whole other thing. (laughs) And sometimes I to travel to get a photo of Jalcemium down in South Carolina, down near Charleston or some other plant that doesn't grow near me. It was interesting also figuring out what herbs to keep in the book and what herbs not to. So that piece was actually one of the challenges because there's some books that some herbs that are really well known needed to be in the book and there's some herbs that like herbalists know but that the public might not know or i wanted people to be able to find things in their yards but also some things maybe less easy to find in a yard but you can find on the shelf so i wanted to make it available in a few different ways so i was trying to cover a lot of bases i wanted to write a book that was accessible for herbalists i've gotten the feedback that people who are herbalists can read this book and still get something out of it but without using technical terminology that only herbalists would understand. I wanted the people who know nothing about medicinal use of plants to be able to read it. And so instead of using words like adaptogens or alteratives or clear heat remedies, if I use those herbs, I immediately explain like, oh, and here's what I mean by that. And here's when you would use an adaptogen or here's why you would use an alternative, which is a blood cleanser and what that does. And so that was the part that I did. And then I. I hired a friend of mine who's an editor to help edit it and give me feedback. Mm-hmm. Am I using too much technical language? Is this accessible? Does it read well? So that was helpful as well.
1: That's such a gift because that takes time and it takes a lot of consideration and thought. Yeah, it's a really, really good book. So thank you for that. Thank you for writing that and getting that completed. And your Matera Medica notebook intrigues me because I kind of, I have one. Thank you so much for your time and all your expertise, you have inspired me. I'm definitely going to make the Vitex Tincture because I am sure that's what I need. And I love how you talked about nourishing the nervous system and supporting the nervous system, right, to help balance the body and bring peace and calmness back to the nervous system to get a good night's sleep. Um, So I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge with the listeners and I know that you got a lot out of this. And how can the listeners stay in touch with you? What is the best way of communication or seeing what you're doing?
0: Hey, well, I have an herb school, the Blue Ridge School of Herbal Medicine, located just outside of Asheville, North Carolina. And my website is BlueRidgeSchool.org, BlueRidgeSchool, School.org. Blue Ridge school, Blue Ridge School.org. Uh, I also have a small tincture company, Pines herbals, and it's P-I-N-E-S, herbals, so both plural, maybe possessive, well, they both have an S on it, pinesherbals.com. And you can email me as well, director at blueridgeschool.org. Those are good ways to reach me and uh, find out about what's happening, find out about what's going on.
1: Yes. And check out his online courses. He has one herbs for insomnia, herbs for anxiety and herbs for pain. And definitely I highly recommend getting the book Southeast Medicinal Plants because Corey Pine, you are 25, 26 years of herbal knowledge, like a, like you're your own material medica. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk and share your knowledge with my listeners and I hope we can talk again in the near future.
0: Thank you for having me, April. Really oh. it. Thank you.
1: Aww. If you haven't already bought the Southeast Medicinal Plants book by Corey Pine Shane, I highly recommend it. I really hope you enjoyed that podcast and you got some gold nuggets from it. If you enjoyed it, please share with any plant buddies you have. Give us a good rating and help our little show grow. I'm sending you a lot of love and blessings during this holiday season. Peace.